This morning, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate everybody coming and worshiping this morning. Your presence here is, is a blessing. Uh, and, and we just are glad to see you. Glad to see you. But today's message is entitled, Boy, Have We Got Problems. <laughs> Buttered you up a little bit there, didn't I? <laughs> Boy, do we have problems. What is, what is one of our biggest problems? What is a problem we have uh, individually and as a church that, that the Lord can help us with? Oh, we could, we could uh, answer that with any number of things. Uh, before I read scripture, I want to give you a little story. Um, one day, Mom was fixing pancakes for Robert and me. Now, this is, this is not a true story. And I don't even need to say that the names have, have been changed to protect the innocent. I'm basically just taking a joke I read and inserting my family in there. So uh, I apologize for my family, I guess. But one day, Mom was fixing pancakes for Robert and me. And Robert and I were fussing over who got to get the first pancake. And so mom says, well, listen, now, if Jesus were here, this is what Jesus would say. Here, you have the first pancake. And so Robert looked at me and said, OK, you be Jesus. <laughs> OK, if you need me to explain that to you, <laughs> I think you get it. I think you get it. That's that's a little illustration of the problem that we're going to see in Scripture that we're going to read this morning. So let's go ahead and look at, at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse number 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently as soon as I shall see how it shall go with me. So we see a problem that's presented to us there. Uh, started off really good. I trust in the Lord Jesus. Uh, but as we as we see the, the verses progress, we we do see a problem. And that problem is shown to us in verse number 21. Verse number 21 that says, For all seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. All seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. What's being, what's being uh, given to us here, what's being explained to us here, is the problem of selfishness. The problem of selfishness. The problem of I'm going to go after what I want. And it says here, but forget the things, not think on the things of Jesus Christ. And that's sin. Uh, and we all do it. Um, it's a problem that we all have. I know that I've heard people say of people, there's not a selfish bone in their body. And that's because it's not a bone. <laughs> it's a thing we do. It's a thing we feel. It's a, it's a way we act. So uh, this thing about bones is, is really irrelevant. Just one of those sayings that we've come up with. But we have in this scripture, we have Paul, and he's writing to the Philippian Christians. And what he's saying to them is he's, he's informing them 
that he's going to send Timothy at the appropriate time to see how they're doing. He's going to send Timothy to go and see how things are going with them. And then in the middle of what he's telling them, in the middle of what he's writing, he comes up with this. All seek their own and not the things of Jesus Christ. So who is uh, Paul talking about here? Is he talking about unbelievers? Because we would have no problem uh, thinking that an unbeliever could be selfish. As a matter of fact, if we had a room full, uh, half full of believers and half full of non-believers, and we all asked everybody to point to the selfish people, probably all the believers would point to the unbelievers, right? That's, that's kind of what we would do. But that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, he is talking about believers. And that's, that's the humbling thing for us this morning. He's referring to believers. He's referring to Christians. And, you know, Paul knew a lot of Christians. Um, Paul had, had led, personally led, a lot of people to Christ. And he had, you know, he had also discipled a lot of Christians. So he knew a lot of Christians. And he was saying that the, the, the majority of them, oh, no, wait a minute. He didn't say that. He used the word, he used another word, a three-letter word. He said all. Now think about that and let that sink in. That all seek their own and not the things of Christ. So we have a problem. And it's a big problem. And it's a problem that, that permeates not just our home life, our work life, our school life, but it is throughout society. And it's really a, throughout the entire world. It is a problem, a selfishness problem. What we're hearing here is that most, if not all, Christians are, are selfish. And what that comes down to is that all, most all pastors, if not all pastors, are selfish. That most deacons, if not all deacons, are selfish. That most church members, if not all church members, are selfish. Now, that's good news and bad news. The good news is we are all in this together. <laughs> I didn't hear not one amen. Amen. We're all selfish. That's right. We're all in this together, but it also <laughs> means that we're all guilty of being selfish, according to Paul here in this scripture. And what causes us to be that way? Well, the obvious answer is going to be sin, but we have a Savior that is the picture of selflessness. He is, he is not a selfish bone in his body. He is so selfless. He gave everything for us he gave it all for us he left heaven to come down here to become a human being and live on this earth he became a man and he surrendered and he allowed humans to spit on him to mock him to beat him to hurt him and to crucify him and he also told us not only did he do that which is which is amazing as we continue to try to understand that. Not only did he do that, but he also said, freely you have received, freely you must give. Freely we have received, freely we must give. We like the receive part. As, as upstanding Christians, 
We also like to say things, well, it's better to give than to receive. What if you were the one that was constantly giving and never receiving? How would you feel about that statement then? Do you feel like, oh, I'd be okay with that. I've got all that I need. But the problem is the things that we have that we need and that we already have will eventually wear out and we're eventually going to need some new stuff. And if we're always giving and not receiving, then we're going to be left without. And when those types of things happen, we, we aren't as comfortable with freely giving as we've been encouraged to do in Scripture. But this Scripture that we've read today gives us some causes for our selfishness. So I want us to go over those and I want us to think about those this morning as we, as we in, internalize this and look at ourselves and say, okay, do I have a selfishness problem? And what's the solution? What, what can we do about it? And the first thing I think that he gives us, the first clue that he gives us is that, that our, our frame of mind, our, the way we think, our mentality is one reason why we are selfish. Paul told us in verse 20 that the reason he has to send Timothy is because I have no one like-minded. I have no one like-minded. Selfishness begins in our thinking, in the way we think. And we see people acting selfishly, and we act selfishly, because we are thinking selfishly. And you know, if we see a person that we consider selfish, if you examine their lives for any length of time, you, you might begin to see that they see things always as a win or lose situation. In every situation that they're in, and we may feel this way as well, in every situation that we are in, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. There's either an opportunity to win or there is an opportunity to lose. And in the selfish person's eyes, if someone is winning, then someone else is losing. And nobody likes to lose. Nobody. I, I think everybody in here would agree to that. And we'll do whatever it takes to win. And that's how selfish people look at the world. We will do whatever we have to do to win. But Paul is saying here, I don't have anybody else who looks at the world the way that I do. He says, because everybody else is looking, they're looking for their own. What are they looking? Their own what? Well, their own glory. They're looking for their own glory. They're looking for their own wants and needs. They're looking for their own agenda let's let's put it in the situation we're in today in the church situation everybody is looking for their their own parking space that they always get every sunday my space will pull up who's in my space and then as if that wasn't bad enough we look for our own seat in the sanctuary and it's even more important now because the only germs I want on my church seat are, are my germs or my family's germs. We sanitize and it, these chairs get sprayed, so we're good. So really, it doesn't really matter where you sit. We just kind of are creatures of habit, aren't we? But we can quickly jump over into that zone of who, who is in my seat and why are they in my seat? And so we look for our own seat and we look for our own type of music. We want our own type of music to be played or to be sung. And maybe as far as positions in the church, we want our own 
we we know what we want to do and what we don't want to do. So don't ask me to do what I don't want to do because I hate to tell you I ain't going to do it. I'm only going to do what I want to do because, like Paul said here, we're looking for our own. So that's a big problem. And I think we're all identifying with what I'm saying. We look we look to we look to make ourselves happy. We look to take care of ourselves and ourselves first and always first. So it's a way of thinking, he's telling us. But he's also saying that one of the reasons that we're so selfish is because we are insincere people. We can be insincere. He said in he said in our verses today, he said, I have no one like minded who will sincerely care, who will sincerely care for your state. Now, there's a lot of insincerity in this world today. I, I'm sure we've we've all been witness to that. We've all seen that selfish people are insincere people. Selfish people don't care about anyone else but themselves. They seek their own. Now, it doesn't mean that a selfish person won't help you. It doesn't mean that a selfish per a person won't do something for you. They will. As long as a byproduct of that is that they're going to get benefited in some way. You get it? I'll help them because, because it will also help me. So I don't mind helping them. And the benefit of that, if I help them, it's going to make me look unselfish. So I'm going to help them. And it will also help me if you can if it will serve their purpose. If it will serve uh, their agenda, then they're going to be more than willing to do it. They will help you because it's going to help them. And that's insincere. That's insincerity. Um, how many of you have ever played the game? Sorry. Anybody remember that game? If I remember correctly, there's a little bubble in the middle, and you pop it, and it has a dice inside of it. If I'm right about that, throw your hand up. Yep, say that's it. That's trouble. Okay. Sorry. You know, I, I, meant, to, I meant to look this up. I've got my games mixed up. But the, the premise is, is correct. Listen to this. Uh, the, the game of sorry, you try to get all your tokens around the board. And if you land on someone else's space, then you say sorry, and they have to go all the way back to the beginning. Now, am I right there? Okay, okay. So you get the idea. You're playing a game. You're trying to win. Everybody wants to win. Nobody likes to lose. And if you land on somebody, if you land on this spot, and then somebody comes along and lands on that same spot, then they say sorry, and you have to go all the way back to the beginning. And nobody likes to be that person. We all want to be the guy that landed on the person and gets to say sorry. But when we say sorry, do we really mean it? We're pretty insincere when we say it. We're probably saying it like sorry. That's very insincere, isn't it? It's very hypocritical to say you're sorry when you're not really sorry. Because um, it's not meant sincerely. Now, you might play the, you may have played this game with somebody who just, who's not really a competitive person. And when they cause you to go all the way back to the beginning, they're like, oh, no, 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 let me roll again. Or I don't want to do that to you. I'll go back to the beginning. You know, there are, there, are people, there are people who will do that. But I want you to think about that and think about how we play this sorry game with God. We do the very same thing to God. And Bob brought this up in his lesson this morning about how we tell God we're sorry. 
and we apologize and and we we we're we hate that we did that and yet maybe even in the back of our minds at that moment we're thinking but i'm going to do it again or i know that i'll do it again or i'll probably do it again i am sorry but you know and we do that with god in our relationship with god and so we're not genuinely repentant of that situation because we're not willing to turn from it and be and and not visit it anymore and so we don't really experience the victory over that that we can have if we would turn from it and if we would be sincere and choose not to do it anymore which romans tells us we have the power to do you know we we say i can't help myself and it's so hard but scripture says that we have the power to say no and we have power over sin because of jesus christ so again we listen to what he says and not what the world says so insincerity uh, is a cause for selfishness and then one other thing that we see here is is another in word insecurity insecurity anybody in here ever been insecure about anything i'm just not good enough I'm not the right person. I can't, I can't do this as well as, as such and such a person. Selfish people are insecure people. I want you to think about that. Because, and it, it may even be, I think, maybe the main reason for selfishness is our, our insecurity. Now, most of us at some point or other have had that feeling, I don't have what it takes. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough enough of anything to do this and we're not sure if we can succeed and so that brings us to a place where not only do we feel we can't succeed ourselves but we don't want anybody else to either that feeling well if i'm not if i can't do it then i don't want anybody else to do it there's that pervading feeling that we we want to we want to be the same we want to be like them and we want them to be like us when we're in school we want to be accepted and we want to be a part of that group and we want to be like them and it's so important for us to be identified with certain people in certain groups when our true identity lies in jesus christ himself and that should be all that we're concerned about but because we're so insecure it leads us to those types of feelings if i can't do it then i don't want anybody else to do it either if I can't be successful, I don't want anybody else to be successful. If I can't have it, then I don't want anybody else to have it either. Surely Christians don't feel this way. And I might agree with you, except Paul said that we all do and that we all seek our own. Um, I think it was John Maxwell. John Maxwell is a uh, pastor. He is a, uh, an author. He has a lot to say and a lot to teach on uh, in terms of Christian leadership. And he wrote a book that was entitled Winning with People. And he said this, and I think this, this speaks volumes right here. The true test of relationships is not only how loyal we are when our friends fail, because we want to be a friend when our friends fail. I'm here for you. I will undergird you. I will hold you up. I will be... I will be strong when you're weak. I'll be that person for you. Not only how loyal we are when friends fail, but how thrilled we are 
when they succeed. And that is, according to John Maxwell, one of the true tests of relationships. And Paul demonstrated this in a beautiful way in the scripture that we read this morning. In verse number 19, he said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. See, Paul fully expected Timothy to come back and bring a good report. He expected the Philippians to be doing well. And the fact that they were doing well was going to be a source of joy for Paul. He was looking forward to that. And he wasn't competing with anyone there. He wasn't competing with the Philippians. He wasn't competing to be a better Christian. He wasn't competing to be a better leader. But he was actually like their biggest cheerleader. He was cheering them on, cheering them on, wanting them to do well. You know, churches are really bad at this. Um, I've seen in the past where it's almost a good thing if your church is doing well, but another church is doing bad. You understand what I'm saying? We, we, we kind of feel a superiority almost if there is good things happening at our church, but trouble over here. And, you know, that's wrong. When other churches are growing and when other churches are doing well and ministries are thriving, we're all part of the same family. So we're happy and we're excited and we should be cheerleaders for them. But so often is the case, we, we, st- we tend to have feelings like, well, what's so great about them? Our, ours is just as good. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a feeling of pride there and, 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 and thankfulness to God that we have what we have. But just as God is working there, God can work here. And just as good things can happen there, good things can happen here. But even in a dry season and even in a difficult time, when we hear that a church is thriving for, and for God's kingdom, we get excited about that. And that's what Paul was saying here. He expected to hear good news. And when he heard that good news, he was going to be happy and he was going to be excited about it. But I'm afraid what we see in our world today is that average people don't want anyone else to be above average. They want other, everybody else to be average or below average. And we don't want people to succeed sometimes. But on the other hand, unselfish people, people who are willing to put others first, they can really be the greatest cheerleader that we can ever have. It's great to come across a person who is exhibiting this fruit, this gift in their lives. Look at Paul and Timothy again, our, our, our two men mentioned in our scripture today. Look at their relationship. Paul was Timothy's mentor. We get that. We know that. We've studied that in the past. Paul was Timothy's mentor. And a lot of times when you're when you're mentoring someone or when you see a mentoring relationship, you might get a get an idea that the mentor doesn't want to share all of his secrets with the person that he's mentoring because he doesn't want the one that he's mentoring to become greater than him. You understand what I'm saying? I've seen this personally exhibited in the area of youth ministry. Uh, 
I've seen in the past where I saw things that other pastors were doing. And, you know, you would call and ask them things and ask them questions about how this happened and how this took place and how did you get that going? Because it really seems to be working. And there was a hesitancy to share information because you, you get the idea that maybe there was a feeling, well, I don't want yours to do as well as mine or better than mine. So, And I had to find all this information on my own so you should have to do the same. And that kind of thing happens everywhere. It happens on jobs. It happens in families. But you, you don't see that here. You don't see it with Paul and Timothy. Paul was willing to share it with Timothy everything. Because, you know, when you, it's kind of like uh, hiding your light under a bushel. You're not letting your light shine. You're hiding it. And what are you hiding it for? What are you holding back for? You know, time will pass, you'll grow old, then you'll forget what it was you were keeping from him, and nobody will benefit from it. Is anybody getting forgetful in their old age, and you can relate to what I'm talking about? You know, he, did, he was not that way, and he wasn't worried about being left behind. He, Paul wasn't worried about being left out. He wanted to mentor and share with Timothy because he wanted Timothy to succeed, and he wanted Timothy to do well. And he saw Timothy as a son. And we should want one another to do well. When you, when you hear that somebody got a lot of money back on their taxes and you're paying again, <laughs> do you go, yay for you, yay for you? How do you feel about that? You know, uh, hey, I went and bought a, a car at the used, at the, uh, used car lot and he gave me a super deal. And you just bought one and you didn't get the same deal. How do you feel about that? We don't like that. But you see in Timothy and Paul's relationship that, that Paul didn't mind giving what he had to Timothy because he wanted Timothy to succeed. So what about us? Do we celebrate when other people succeed? Or, yeah, I think that's a true test of either being a selfish person or a selfless person. So we got these causes, you know, the way we think, insecurity, insincerity. These are the reasons being selfish. How do we fix it? What do we do to make things better? Because I don't want to be a selfish person. I'm a selfish person. I am. There are times when I'm very selfish. Selfish with lots of things. Uh, selfish with uh, with my time. Um I'm not going, this is not true confessions of a Baptist preacher. I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm a selfish person. I can be very selfish. And Paul has stated the problem very clearly here, but there is an answer. And we're going to see what that answer is because it's also in Scripture. Now, again, we saw the problem was this. For all seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. So the solution is, first of all, your new life in Christ. There's nothing you can do about selfishness in your life unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, unless you've experienced new life in Christ. And then as a believer, if we're still struggling with the issue of selfishness, then the answer is in that same verse I just read to you, the things of Christ Jesus. There's the answer. That's the answer for real, for really, 
just about any problem we have. The things of Christ Jesus. If we're seeking our own and only our own, then we're going to be selfish. But if we're seeking the things of Christ, there's a solution. And so what are the things of Christ? Verse 22 says, But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And if you think on that, if you study on that, you're going to find some, some solutions. And here's what I'm going to offer to you this morning. Because I believe that we all want to be successful in being a selfless person. If I'm struggling with selfishness and you're not, then I want to be able to applaud you and thank God that you're doing well and pray that the same happens to me. I don't want to be selfish about your selflessness. Because, because what happens when we're selfish, I haven't brought this out, but what happens is conflict. You know, I want something one way, you want something another way. If I don't get my way and you don't get your way, then there's going to be conflict. It happens with people on the job. It happens with siblings. It happens with parents and children. It happens with church leaders. It's, it's that conflict. So what, what do we do to resolve that? And I think we see an example in the Scripture today that somebody has got to be willing to become a bigger person. Be the bigger person. There are few situations in life where you want to be the bigger person you know what i'm talking about like at the weight watchers weigh-ins you know what i'm talking about yeah or when you're clothes shopping you know what i'm talking about but i'm not talking about that that size uh you got a big problem it's going to take a big person to take care of it what do i mean by becoming bigger well i become bigger when I'm willing to be the least or when I'm willing to be last, I become a bigger person. Somebody has got to be willing to take the lead and be the least. Somebody has got to be willing to take the lead, <laughs> and as odd as it sounds, take the lead and be last. That's, so, that's scriptural. In every conflict, there's got to be somebody that's willing to rise above and put the pettiness and the selfishness aside and say, I'll be least, I'll go last. And it's not false humility. What it is, is allowing God, allowing Jesus to work through us, to, be, to live his life through us, because that is exactly what Jesus did. As, as a matter of fact, what we're talking about is the gospel. We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ right now, right here. And we see that in, in this verse. You know, in a nutshell, human beings have a problem, and it's sin. Uh, Bob talked about that this morning. Sin is our problem. Sin is our biggest problem. And so we struggle when we sin. What we're doing is we're struggling with whether or not to be obedient to God or to disobey God. We're struggling basically with God when we make a choice to sin. As a Christian, I still sin. As a Christian, I still have the opportunity to choose to sin or not to sin. That's just the way it is. 
And so I'm struggling with that if I'm thinking about sinning. But here's what God said about the whole sin problem. This is what Jesus did right here. He said, okay, I'm going to become the bigger person. I'm going to become the bigger person in this sin problem. I'm going to humble myself. And I'm not just going to meet you halfway, which is what people usually do. He says, I'm not just going to meet you halfway. What I'm going to do is I am going to come again to earth. I'm going to live as a human. I'm going to sacrifice my life on a cross to pay for your sins so that you can be forgiven. I'm going to sacrifice my life. I'm going to sacrifice my comfort. I'm going to sacrifice even my pleasure, the pleasure of living in heaven. I'm going to sacrifice all of that, and I'm going to come all the way to where you are. I'm not going to make you meet me halfway. You won't even have to lift a finger. I'm going to come all the way to where you are, and I'm going to take care of it for you. And he demonstrated for us the most selfless act that has ever been committed in the history of mankind. And he showed us that's how we do it in our relationships. We become the bigger person because selfishness is a big problem and it takes a big person to fix it. So take the lead and be the bigger person. It's not natural to do this and it never will be a natural thing for us to do because normally our way of thinking is, well, they owe me. And they should come to me. I shouldn't have to go to them. They should come to me. They owe me. I'm not going to give anything to them. I'm not going to give them a break. But you know, somebody in that situation has got to be like Jesus. Someone has got to be like Christ. Someone has got to be Christ-like in that situation. And that person might as well be you, right? Might as well be me. What if we're both trying to outdo each other in the area of selflessness. I think this is an example of false selflessness. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? Well, you pick. No, you pick. No, I don't want to pick. You pick. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think that is an example of selflessness. But what I'm talking about is being willing to give up and, and become the least and become the last so that the situation can be resolved and so that we can move on and put this behind us. Just like Jesus did with our sin, it's gone. It's gone, gone, gone. And he's not going to bring it up and shove it in our face anymore. And we don't do that with our conflicts with one another. I've had, I've had conversations with people, some people in here, and things have happened and, 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 and feelings came forward and emotions came forward and, and apologies were given, and, and we said it's in the past. We don't bring it up anymore. We well, just brought it up. No, I'm just bringing up an example of how it can be done. And that's how we need to resolve conflict. Be the bigger person. Realize what Jesus did for us and turn around and do it for somebody else. I'm not telling you to crawl up on a cross and die, but he was willing to, to do all that he did to make our relationship the best it could be we should do nothing less than that ourselves in our relationships and then he talks about service let's talk about service for just a minute because that's also an answer to the problem of being selfish service now timothy 
was was a great servant of the Lord. He served the Lord with Paul very unselfishly. I think we all, if you study Timothy at all and you've read about Timothy, you have a certain way of thinking about that man. This man that was a pastor of a church, a pastor of a church. Uh, a lot of people look at that position as a position worthy of honor and praise and glory. But Timothy, even as pastor of the church at Ephesus, was willing to basically be Paul's errand boy. He wasn't, <laughs> now wait a minute, I'm pastor over here at the First Baptist Church in Ephesus, and I ain't got time to be running all over the place for you. I got things I need to do. He wasn't that way. He was willing to serve and do whatever it takes. And what a great example for us, for you and me. I think about, um, I think most of us have heard the story of Helen Keller. Uh, severely uh, handicapped in so many ways. And yet she had a woman to come and, and spend days and days and weeks and months such a long time trying to help her communicate and just live a somewhat normal life even with all the the things that she had going against her and she and and her teacher was her name was ann sullivan she was such a great teacher and really worthy of of accolades and praise and and pats on the back your patience your willingness your sacrifice what you did to help this young girl and she helped Helen Keller to overcome so many things. And Helen Keller, she became, uh, she got a degree at college and she became a famous author and she became a famous lecturer. She became a very important person herself. You probably know this, maybe you don't, but years later, the woman that taught her became very ill, very sick and not able to take care of herself. And Helen Keller, who was a busy, important person, could have said, I'm sorry, I don't have time. But no, she took, she took her in and cared for her. And, you know, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. But wait a minute. What about career? What about college? What about family? What about my dreams? What about my hopes? What about my aspirations? What about, what about being concerned about your own things? And not the things of Jesus Christ. That It's a hard lesson for us to learn. But it is a lesson that we need to learn anyway. And as Timothy served. As he served. And the way that he served. He developed something that all of us want to have in our lives. And that is character. He had character. That's what scripture tells us. For you know his proven character, that as a son, father, he served with me in the gospel. He gained character. A selfish person does not have character. They lack character. But Timothy had proven character. And it's because people trusted him. Because he wasn't a selfish person. You know, Paul trusted him. Enough to send him on a journey to the, to the Philippian church and bring back a report because of his character. Because of the way he served. 
and because of the way he was willing to be a bigger person and the relationship that he had with Paul. The Philippians, the Philippian Christians trusted him enough to share with him how things were going so that he could take a report back to Paul. The church at Ephesus trusted him enough to be become to allow him to become their pastor. And God trusted him enough to put him in the ministry that he was in. He had character and his character was proven through experiences that he went through in his life. We don't know everything Timothy went through. We don't know the the struggles that he experienced, every struggle he had, every selfish thought that he had, every experience that caused him to allow God to grow him a little bit more. We don't know everything that he went through, but we do know that he had to have been tested because it said he was proven. He was proven. And that's what I want set of my life. That's what Hopefully you won't set of your life what we all want set of our lives, that we have character because we have been proven through the difficulties of life to be able to trust God and to do the thing that God would have us to do in any given situation and not do the selfish thing, but to seek the things, the things of Jesus Christ. And so should our whole lives be directed in our relationships with our families Let's not seek our own, but seek the things of Jesus Christ. In our relationships at work, let's not seek our own, but let's seek the things of Jesus Christ. Students, in our relationships at school, no matter how brief they may be, because you're only there for one or two days a week, if then, don't seek your own, seek the things of Jesus Christ. It can even be done online. Seek the things of of Jesus Christ and the decisions that we have to make. And I would be remiss if I did not add this as well, that in the way that we that we conduct ourselves with other people, when talking about things that we don't all agree on, when voting, do not seek our own, but seek the things of Jesus Christ. It must be the way we live and the, the way we make our decisions in everything. So many times in situations like voting, we are voting emotively with our emotions, with how we feel, with what we think is right. And I am going to be the first to tell you that many times I have thought I was right and I have been wrong. And the next person in line that will agree with me is my wife. And the third person will be my son. And the fourth will be the church. <laughs> but listen, I've been wrong so many times and have felt right. But, but God revealed to me that I wasn't. And so it is seeking the things of Jesus Christ that helps us to know the right from the wrong. Culture and its effects and its patterns and the way that it wants to influence us will sometimes turn us from thinking in a biblical way. We cannot allow this. Yesterday in Washington, there was a prayer march, prayer walk, uh, called The Return, encouraging the church to pray for this country, that we would return to God as a country. It's a shame that that even has to be mentioned. But here we are. And, you know, I didn't even know about this 
really till this week. And this thing's been planned. And, you know, how many of you knew about this? How many of you heard about this? Okay. How many of you heard about... Um, how many of you heard about the, the last goof up that presidential candidate Biden made? Or how many of you heard of the last offensive tweet that the president made? Oh, yeah. Uh, the last thing that this person said or that person said or this group did or that group did or who shot who and everybody's got somebody to blame. We hear those things. But when over, I think it was over 100,000 people and I saw pictures at the mall in Washington, D.C., of people together praying. Why isn't that news? It's because our country is seeking its own and not seeking the things of God. That has got to change. It has got to change. And it starts with you and it starts with me.